0: Hey, Irish fans, Alex Painter here to remind you that if you or your company has screen printing or embroidery needs, look no further than our pals at wcscreens.com. Nationwide shipping, check. Wholesale pricing, absolutely. They are indeed the gold standard of the industry and fervent supporters of this show and your fighting Irish. Their service is as tight as a Joe Montana spiral, so give them a holler at wcscreens.com. And on with the show. Well, I took the whole family to the blue and gold game for a second consecutive year in April 2023. How did it go down and just how did everything transpire for this average Midwest family? What were my thoughts on the blue gold action? I decided to give it a few weeks or so to watch the dust settle before jumping in front of the microphone. Though, as I'll share, some of that actually wasn't my choice, but I am glad to be back. So, buckle up those chin straps, Irish fans. This is Onward to Victory. Hello Irish fans and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. My name is Alex Painter and this is episode number 80 of the most exhaustive accessible source of Notre Dame and Notre Dame football history since 2019. As always, I am so happy to be here and to have the opportunity to speak on our beloved Notre Dame Fighting Irish who are, as of this recording, just a mere 100 days or so, Before they hop on a bird, cross the pond, and kick off the 2023 season in style at Aviva Stadium in Dublin against one of our oldest rivals, the midshipman of the Naval Academy. But thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you haven't already, jump back into the archives and listen to the last episode, number 79. It was the third volume of Alex's Irish Anecdotes. But in that episode, I discussed four topics, including when the bicycle craze reached Notre Dame and the hilarity that ensued, a famous rock star's affinity for the fighting Irish, a story not often told about famous coach Canute Rockney's stints in professional football, and finally, a bit about the Bengal bouts, one of the longest tenured annual traditions on the Notre Dame campus. But that being said, it's been about a solid month, perhaps a month plus actually, since I last joined you all for a podcast episode. This was not by design, and this is easily the longest time between episodes in show history, so you'll just have to forgive me for this one. Uh, But this episode is going to serve as a bit of a spring cleanup before we continue to move the show forward. But I have to tell you, one foolproof way... To find yourself with even less time to research and podcast, if that happens to be your thing. And no, it's not the regular 8-to-5 job I've always managed to find time to research and podcast, even with the pesky career in the way. But it's actually being the volunteer Little League Baseball Commissioner. Some of you might be nodding your heads right now, but this is the very best way to lose all of your free time. I've always coached my son Grayson's baseball team, which I'm still doing now, but I have additionally taken on many of the duties as Little League commissioner as well. And well, since I felt poorly about devoting all my time to Grayson's baseball, I also stepped forward to coach my twin daughters, Eleanor and Harper, their soccer team at the local YMCA. As you might have guessed, I don't know a lot about soccer, Haven't played it, actually, since I believe I was about four or five years old. But the girls are young enough that I can watch some YouTube videos and learn some drills and basic maneuvers and strategies and all that stuff to at least make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, But also, the byproduct of coaching that team was I could at least pick the practice times for the girls so it wouldn't conflict with anything. But additionally, the kids have been going to CCD this entire year, and some of you probably went through CCD yourselves. Uh, my kids, I guess, a technically religious education, they call it now. Uh, but so they just went through First Communion together. So it's been a bit much here in the last month or so. And thank you for your grace. And as I found out, it's really not just the time it takes and uh, the time I devote to making this whole production happen, but it was truly just the mental bandwidth. I just found that over the last month or so, I was working with very little. But I will say... Those girls, they can flat play some soccer. They must have a heck of a coach. (laughs) But uh, anyways, now a quick addendum to my previous episode. I fielded an enlightening and illuminating email from my pal Andy Nickel. Andy has a fantastic collection of Notre Dame and historical memorabilia, a portion of which he documented in his book called Men, Moments, and Myths. And as part of the Rockney portion of the previous episode, the one about him being a professional football player, and I shared about how Rock used different aliases to play professional football because while he was still playing football at Notre Dame and the... Eligibility rules, though, were very loosely enforced. There were rules nonetheless, so he had to use aliases uh, to play professional football. But Andy shared with me that he actually did the same for boxing matches as well, which Rock had a fondness for. Uh, Thus, the Bengal bouts, which Rock had a huge hand in starting. But this is per Andy's research. Rock participated in boxing matches in surrounding communities such as Gary, Indiana or Kalamazoo, Michigan under such pseudonyms as Kid Williams and Frankie Brown. Imagine that. That's too cool. Where else are you going to find this stuff? Appreciate it, Andy. Oh, and I also have this one in my notes as well. In that episode, I mispronounced one of the names of the teams Rock was associated with. I had shared that he was an assistant coach for a team sponsored by a local South Bend brewery. While this is true, I pronounce the brewery as the Muscle Brewing Company, whereas it is actually the Measle Brewing Company. So it's spelled M-U-E-S-S-E-L, but that is measle, not muscle. These things are very important, so I thank Andy for pointing this out so we can amend the public record, if you will. And also, finally, none of this is possible without the help and support of the Onward to Victory Consensus All-Americans. This group includes those kind folks who contribute to the show monetarily. These folks have either contributed significantly in the past or are currently donating to the show, and on the muster roll includes Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana, Will Fuller of Warren, Ohio, Dr. Jeremy Scarlett of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, the aforementioned Andy Nickel of South Bend, Indiana, and Mike Johnson from Oak Park, Illinois. Thank you all, and if you want to join the ranks of the Consensus All-Americans, please feel free to visit the virtual collection baskets at paypal.me onwardtovictory or patreon.com slash Podcast. I mentioned them in the show lead, but... Our 2023 preseason banner sponsor is wcscreens.com. If you have screen printing or embroidery needs, feel free to visit wcscreens.com. They are truly the gold standard of the industry. So let's dig into that 2023 blue gold game experience here a little bit. It's been a solid calendar month, but as I mentioned, this is the second time I have gone, and it also happens to be the second time I have brought my entire family So that includes not only my wife, Alicia, but my nine-year-old son, Grayson, and seven-year-old daughters, Eleanor and Harper. You know, the little athletes, but (laughs) I know we have a lot of parents to smaller children who listen to the pod. And I'd like to stump quickly that the spring game is a great, and I mean great, opportunity to take your kids to experience a Notre Dame game day, in a sense. It's cheaper. Tickets are only $10 to get in. And a quick note here about parking. It's free. It's kind of a first-come, first-served basis. So we have gotten to park in the stadium lot the past couple years. It's really quite great. Yeah, mostly because when we come up for traditional game day Saturdays, we aren't getting too terribly close to the stadium lot, if I'm speaking candidly. But it's awesome. The parking, the stadium itself, none of it is as congested as you'll find on a Saturday. So it just really provides a great level of accessibility, which speaking of, I kind of had to chuckle to myself when I saw that the attendance announced was nearly 33,000. Now, perhaps that was the amount of tickets sold, but I'd hazard a guess that there might have been about 10,000 people in the stands, maybe a little more at any given time. Maybe someone would disagree with that, but it was pretty sparse and weather, most certainly played a role in that, but more on Mother Nature here a bit later. But again, this whole package means you can get really nice seats to watch Notre Dame football, as nearly the entire stadium is general admission. So again, just a plug for families, even families with small children. There are activities, there are games, feel free to take them. And then, of course, you just get really good seats to watch some Notre Dame football, albeit inter-squad scrimmage Notre Dame football, but Notre Dame football nonetheless so the spring game really truly does check a lot of boxes for my family so we made the trip to south bend on friday late afternoon and soon we found ourselves on campus and we had the good fortune to take in a lot of the sights that you just gotta see when you're there on friday which also happened to be a pretty sunny 60-ish degree day it was awesome it was the exact opposite of what we would see the following day in addition to my immediate family, we were also joined by one of my younger brothers, Colton, his girlfriend Sarah, and our mom's husband, Carl, there as well. So we were a party of eight and had virtually free reign around campus on Friday. We walked over to the Basilica and the Grotto, the main building, God Quad, pretty much the that whole wing of campus, and I gotta tell you, it was a beautiful day for it. So there were actually seven of us roaming around because Carl... His knees were kind of hurting him a little bit, so he decided to stay back and sit on a park bench between the Rockney Gate and the Hesburgh Library, and there was actually a stage set up as they were unveiling the 2023 shirt design, so it was pretty festive. So while we were exploring campus, Carl was kind of left to his own devices, again, just kind of staying stationary near where all the action was. Again, they were unveiling the shirt, which is kind of a big deal, but wouldn't you know it? While Carl was just kind of flying solo on this park bench, who sits down next to him? Head coach Marcus Freeman. Uh, Yes, he found Carl on the bench, sat next to him, and they had a bit of an exchange and just kind of talked about football. And when we returned, we were in utter disbelief that we had not only missed our opportunity to have a chance meeting with coach Marcus Freeman, but Carl had actually failed to Take a picture with Coach Freeman, but I told myself I wouldn't dwell on that one. Uh, I know the meeting him was cool enough for him, so I guess the, the picture is something I would have done, but that's all right. So we got our sightseeing in on Friday, and then we actually had dinner at the Legends of Notre Dame. So those who are totally not aware, this is that restaurant that sits about a stone's throw from the stadium. And I believe it has just reopened this year after being closed down for the past couple years here kind of post-COVID. But I've eaten there before, but I've always perceived it to be pretty competitive to find a seat there on a football weekend. But, to my surprise, our party of eight was actually seated almost immediately. And I will tell you, maybe we were just really hungry, but the food was really good. Uh, I ended up getting the Monk Molloy fish and chips basket. And uh, I'm generally a glass-half-full dude, but I will say this much. I really liked the old decor of the restaurant. It used to be wall-to-wall, and I mean wall-to-wall. Notre Dame photos, etc. There was like a timeline of the history of Notre Dame football. But the new decor was, I'll just say, a bit more subdued. There was kind of a photo of campus every so often on the walls. New wallpaper, new paint, whatever. I don't know, I'm probably a bit of a tacky person, but I really liked the immersive Notre Dame experience from before with the decor that really just kind of screamed at you. Uh, And if you were to see the basement of my house, you probably wouldn't be terribly surprised by me saying that. But like I said, either way, the experience was a good one. The food was great. The service was great. Just if not, the uh, decor uh, has changed and change is hard, you know, but we stayed in South Bend uh, about a mile or so from campus and early the next morning. So now we're into Saturday. We headed over to campus because we wanted to stop off at the main bookstore, which we did. And we pretty much saw most of the women's basketball team, including star player Olivia Miles walking in after another quick stop at the notre dame discount store and if you haven't been there or if you're not aware of it make sure you check into it the next time you you head to south bend it's just that it's a discount store and there's a lot of really good deals that you can find there on notre dame apparel particularly but we paid a visit with our dear friend jim augustine at augie's locker room and if you're otherwise familiar with augie's locker room head over to google and check it out it's a museum quality store and augie just happens to be one of the kindest most gracious dudes you'll ever meet so we stopped off at augie's and then we were in business for the tailgate though the joyce lot was closed as it appears they are putting a geothermal system in below it we were still able to park relatively close to the stadium in the front lots now on to mother nature In watching the weather for the better part of two weeks ahead of the game, it kind of waffled between cloudy, rainy, high of 45, high of 50, so on and so forth. This was not going to be a pleasant day. We kind of knew that going in, but we didn't expect it to be as miserable as it ended up being. So the day of, it looked like it was going to be cloudy, a high of 50. And if you were to believe the Apple weather app, which you probably shouldn't, There was only a chance of precipitation, and it was supposed to be around 5 p.m. Needless to say, the wind whipped all afternoon, and there was just this really nice rain-snow-sleet-like combo that pelted the players and crowd alike for nearly the entire afternoon. So how else to say it other than there were various members of my family that were absolutely miserable? And at least one in multiple ways. Eleanor had actually puked in the parking lot not once but twice before the game. Uh, the first time she just narrowly missed me while I was sitting in my lawn chair. Uh, it was one of those times where you know, and you know your kids. <laughs> she definitely, Eleanor definitely wasn't sick, and she clearly felt much better as something she had eaten had just not agreed with her, and so. She just was like a brand new person after this happened, so she insisted that she wanted to soldier on, and that's exactly what she did. Oh, so how was the game itself? Well, in looking at the rosters, I thought that both teams had their pronounced strengths over the other, and I assumed it would be a close game. Everyone knew that all eyes in the stadium were fixed to the purported quarterback battle between... Gold quarterback and Wake Forest transfer, the most prolific passer in ACC history, Sam Hartman. And blue quarterback, Gator Bowl MVP, Tyler Buckner. And I'll tell you folks, and you've heard it in a multitude of places, this wasn't even close. The gold team absolutely skunked blue, 24-0. With blue managing just four offensive first downs, And 56 total offensive yards. Oof. But I understand that within an inter-squad scrimmage environment, it's not all necessarily about the stats and outcomes. Because, of course, no one is theoretically playing with a full deck, if you will. But, phew, it was about as one-sided as I can remember. Now, here are a few of my observations. Number one, the quarterback battle. Inevitably, this is where we start. But first, the raw numbers. Sam Hartman went 13 for 16 for 189 yards and two touchdowns, plus one touchdown on the ground. You've seen the highlights. Some of you perhaps saw it live. Maybe you're one of the 10,000 or so people who were sitting in the stands shivering. But Hartman looked about as comfortable as you'd hope, like, and expect in the pocket. Fellow quarterback Tyler Buckner, not so much. This is a moot point, uh, but he went eight for 18 for 44 yards and an interception. And there were factors for that. And I could go into those, but it's all really a moot point. Approximately five days later, our boy Buckner transferred to Alabama. Yeah, so there will be no quarterback controversy nor perceived battle in 2023, folks. Sam Harton is the ride or die. We all expected it, but the overtures coming out of Irish camp is that they wanted a true battle. Stephen Jelly, the hero of the 2022 Blue Gold game, will likely be QB2, and this is a great thing, by the way. Hartman enters and can fully embrace QB1, and he's clearly developed a strong rapport with the Jaden's in Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas, who combined for 15 catches, 189 yards and a touchdown during the spring game. And this is awesome, especially for the freshman great house. But I do think Hartman is the type of passer who could probably gain strong chemistry with any of his receivers, though. But like most of you, I'm dying of curiosity regarding just how Hartman is going to do in 2023. I think we all have a good sense, but how high is that ceiling? Simply put, though, at the Blue-Gold game, you saw exactly what you wanted to out of a sixth-year transfer who's played a metric ton of meaningful football. But other than great house, other soon-to-be freshmen caught the field as well, including 2022 Indiana Mr. Football, Drake Bowen. He logged five total tackles and a QB hurry, and Drake looks like he's going to be very good. I wouldn't even say that's a deep dive as far as prognostication works, but he just does. He looks like he's going to be very good, and I guess probably most people can see that. But uh, quarterback Kenny Minchie was also in the house, and he completed a couple passes, two of seven, for seven yards. So it was cool to see some of the freshmen come in and at least get some reps and kind of got to see your first glimpse of them. But another observation is just something that we talked about earlier, which is the transfer portal. Uh, Buckner wasn't the only one to hit the portal post-blue-gold. Receiver Lorenzo Styles also on his way out of town. Same with running back Logan Diggs and linebacker Prince Colley. And I totally get it. it can be very unsettling to hear these names that we've heard quite a bit over the past few years. That they are packing their bags and heading elsewhere. But I will say that all of these position groups that these guys formerly belonged to at Notre Dame all carry quite a bit of depth, so it is what it is, but we aren't seeing the mass exodus in South Bend that we are seeing in, say, Boulder, Colorado. I had to say something. While I really liked and followed Coach Dion Sanders, better known as Coach Prime, when he was with the HBCU Jackson State and kind of polling some of the biggest recruits in the nation to this very small historically black college What is going on in Colorado, where his new job is, is a bit more extreme. Uh, Imagine Notre Dame getting a head coach and, subsequently, 70 players leaving the program in about a, what, six-month span? 70. Including, I think, over 50 kids on scholarship. That's what's happening in Colorado. And I know winning is the best elixir to everything, mostly, mostly. But there are tons of people, I'm sure, who are rooting for Coach Prime to fail at this point. And honestly, I've always been a proponent with win with the group you have, win with the guys who want to be there. But I will say, turning over that much of your roster so quickly, again, 70 players, give or take, it's probably more already, in just the past six months or so I think that's an I hate to use this word because I don't use it lightly but an embarrassment to the institution of college football I have no issue with players picking up and leaving and going to a better fit you only have so much time to maximize your career in college to get on the field and show what you can do if you have aspirations for playing at an even higher level I don't fault a kid transferring here and a kid transferring there and I know the transfer portals rules have changed but the fact is is what's going on in Colorado with that roster composition subsequent roster turnover it is a bit of a sham in my opinion but that's that's just mine that's just it so and to be clear again I mostly I don't fault the kids they deserve to have as much agency as possible to where they play But I also don't believe you'll have that much turnover with a program that is cohesive and transparent with them. Those are my two pennies. Anyway, in terms of what's going on here, here in Richmond, Indiana, that is, I will tell you that this past week it has felt like all roads lead through Richmond. And that is because there is a youth and family treatment center here in Richmond called Warrenly, which works with at-risk and troubled youth from cross Indiana and also into Ohio as well. But their CEO is named Daryl Gordon. And Daryl was on the 1988 Notre Dame football team, that great 1988 Notre Dame football team at that. So Daryl is not shy about using his Notre Dame connections to bring really high profile Notre Dame folks to Richmond in order to raise some money for his organization. So wouldn't you know it, every spring they hold a golf outing and a golf reception kind of precedes the actual golf outing. So last year they had Rocket Ismael uh, be the celebrity you know, person at the golf reception and they've just had a lot of different guests over the years. Uh, I shared a picture last fall of myself and Jerome Bettis because he was the headliner at the annual fundraising dinner. It'll be Manti Teo here in 2023, but wouldn't you know it, the celebrity guest for the golf outing, and again, the golf reception that precedes it was head coach Marcus Freeman. So believe it or not, Marcus Freeman came to Richmond, Indiana, did get a key to the city, and was the featured guest and speaker, celebrity, if you will, of the golf reception. And working here locally and my wife alicia is the ceo and executive director of the boys and girls clubs here in wayne county and i guess just somehow we ended up on the guest list to help with the event so there was maybe about 80 or so people there at this reception and so you just had a ton of access to coach freeman and Alicia and I just happened to be in the room when he gave the kids who were uh, residents of the facility a kind of a bit of a pep talk, and man, it was awesome. And then subsequently, there was a bit of a fireside chat, if you will, between Daryl Gordon, Coach Freeman, and Mike Laner, who is their resource development guy there at Warren Lee, and they talked about the upcoming season. They talked about the challenges of working with Kids these days, because that's kind of what Coach Freeman works with. He does work with kids. We don't think of them as kids oftentimes, but that's still kind of what they are. And Coach Freeman just strikes you as someone who is very genuine, tries to be very transparent, despite it's hard sometimes to be transparent when you yield so much power with one of the biggest football programs in the country. But just a kind, seems seemingly gentle person. Obviously, you see his demeanor change every so often on the sidelines. But it was just awesome to be able to listen to him speak and to you know play host to the head coach of Notre Dame football in small Richmond, Indiana, you know, population thirty five thousand. Oh, and it was not only just Coach Freeman; uh, we're kind of all under a big top tent. And there's a little stage with a few chairs set up, and that's where everyone's speaking. But in a break in the action, I literally turn around, you know, 180 degrees behind me, and none other than Alan Pinkett is standing there. And so I had to get my picture taken with him as well. But after the fireside chat was over, they auctioned off a football and a helmet that Marcus was going to sign. And so I had an opportunity to meet Marcus briefly as he was heading back up to the reception area to sign these items. And again, what a thrill that was to be able to, I shook his hand. I slapped him on the back a couple of times because I guess I can't keep my hands to myself. But I knew once it was announced that he was walking back to the Hawk Center is what it's called on campus, on the Wernley campus to sign these auctioned off items. I knew that was my chance to, uh, to maybe intersect with him and uh, shake his hand and all of that. So I handed my phone to Alicia, and I said, record this. And so sure enough, I managed to bump into him, and yeah, he's such just such a nice guy. And, man, I tell you what, in, in spending a, you know, a couple hours with him or around him even, I'm just so proud that he is our head coach. So I want to thank Wernley Youth and Family Treatment Center and Daryl Gordon and staff, who invited me and and my wife Alicia to this event, and giving us a really cool look at our current head coach Marcus Freeman. So yeah, I guess I have branded this a spring fling episode, and that's truly what's kind of been going on around here. That's now now you're officially caught up, I suppose. It's been a long month, actually month plus since I've joined you last. And so there's just kind of the things that have been going on, I suppose. So so this was a bit of a different kind of episode. It was a little less planned, a little less programmed, I should say. But I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. I have a few episodes planned for this summer, and it's going to be a great summer. Mark it down. I promise you that. It's going to be fun times around here at Onward to Victory. And I'd like to thank again the Consensus All-Americans who keep this show running and those men are, once again, Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana, Will Fuller of Warren, Ohio, Dr. Jeremy Scarlett of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, Andy Nickel of South Bend, Indiana, and Mike Johnson from Oak Park, Illinois. Thank you all, and of course, thank you again to wcscreens.com. I hope you enjoyed this. I am going to sign off until next time. This has been Onward to Victory a Notre Dame football podcast, and in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish!